every nation, every every state is entitled to its sovereignty. That we are going to peacefully work with each other to find a solution. We're not going to try to dominate each other. We can be together, building our future, solving the problem together. So that's actually the world order. So, for example, Ukrainians—they're really good at their own certain parts of engineering. They can be part of Europe. They can choose to join NATO. They can be their sovereign nation. They can develop their culture and export their products. Participate. They can trade freely. Their their sea is not going to be going to be mined by the Russian Navy for no reason. That's what's called the world order. It's、According、not to Russia. They cannot do those things that you just listed. That's exactly the point. So Russia and China is the enemy of the world order. This kind of thing is contrary to what they want. Their the purpose of their nation. They want to dominate, control parts. Of come、Russia. on, come on. That's exactly the same thing those nations say about the West. I mean, you need to get beyond that if you really want to have a global peaceful village at one point. Okay. Russia is doing it. Invaded a country, and China is doing it through predatory loans in Africa and other、uh, places. So. What well, is being coined? Hang on, hang on. So, the cynical response to international trade and international cooperation and uh, healthy uh, international relationships, despite foreign policy failures, is called by the Russians and the Chinese. A Western conspiracy to control the world, new imperialism through globalization and economic occupation and economic warfare and the sanctions and whatnot. Now, this is a narrative because it comes from the perspective of seeing the aspect of the world order, which is we all engage in international relationships, we all engage in international commerce, and we try to settle our differences in a diplomatic and a civilized manner. How can this be seen as a global conspiracy to control the world when it's a choice made by democratically elected governments to pursue in order to safeguard the interests of their people and improve their quality of living, their standard of living? And respond to the challenges humanity faces during our time. The cynical response to that effort is to call it a global conspiracy to control the world, and to invade countries under false pretexts, or use globalization and capitalism to create wealth, such as in the case of China, and that. And then use that wealth to provide predatory loans to other developing nations in order to control their resources and control their governments. So it is happening, and they are doing it, and they believe in it ideologically. So there is no point here in saying that no, this is not happening, or we shouldn't call it that way, or or this way. It is happening. They are saying it, and they are acting upon it.、Uh, can you clarify?、Um, did you? Did you mean a new world order is kind of like happening? No, 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 no one is talking about a new world order. That's a red herring. It's that we're talking when 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 we say the global order or world order, we mean the Pax Americana system of security that has been in place since the end of World War Two. 
This is not about the Illuminati. This is not about uh, the control. This is not about the vaccines and the microchips and the birds uh, that uh, recharge all of our power lines or 5G networks. That, that, that's just crap, right? When we say the global order or the international order or world order, we mean the system of Westphalian sovereignty, the United Nations, international relationships, politics, diplomacy, uh, the the global economy uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I can sign after that. So when what I um, consider to be a desirable new world order would be a, a bottom-up type of order. So when the people of Rwanda, Malawi, and uh, Vietnam um, can find their own place in this global village and get the same rights that people in Milwaukee and Ireland and Norway and in Cuba get. Uh, I know. I hope I make sense here. And that is currently, we're still playing like this 19th century um, imperialist game here, what, what Russia is doing here and what some people attested China would be doing, although I don't see China actually being interested in doing any kind of those imperialist 19th century movements by just going ahead and um, annex Taiwan. Um, I mean, the last time they annexed anything it was in the 1950s when they marched into Tibet. But, yeah, uh, I, I don't really see that that game plan an act outside of what's going on with, with the Russians. They're clearly 50 years at least behind of everybody else. Okay, so... Hirsch, I'm going to I'm tell you I came from came from communist China. I still have friends over there. What I'm going to share may get myself and my family into trouble, but this is what I'm going to say. For example, in China, China occupied a place as big as Tibet. It's called Eastern Turkestan. For thousands of years, China never truly ruled, governed that place, not at all. But with the help of Soviet Union, China occupied that place. That place is... 80% Muslim. This is what China is doing. It sends the men to the concentration camps in millions. Then the woman is back home, right? Then it sends the Chinese officials to live with these women twice a month. In the name of, we're going to embrace you into the Chinese culture. How do you think about that? Millions of men sent away to the concentration camp to learn to speak a language they didn't grow up with. Their wives are let, left back home. Then twice a month, they're going to spend the night with a man of another ethnic culture, ethnicity, didn't come from their own. Think about, think about what if more than sending the people to the Far East, you put the Ukrainian woman at home let them live with a Russian officer twice a month. Say, we're going to embrace you to the Russian Empire. What do you think about that? You didn't read it because Chinese government does not allow these things to be reported, to be published. So you don't know. And you assume it didn't, it didn't exist. Yeah, those are completely despicable practices of um autocratic dictatorships that trying to force themselves on other um, territories and other people. And in case of China, that is a piece of land they have been occupying for a long time and they're going to put their foot down 
for the last 20 years for the reasons of fighting terrorism, um, which they gleefully picked up from the 9-11 response of the United States. That's, I mean, that's exactly the same um, that they copied the entire narrative the United States had based on a couple of knife attacks that happened in Chinese train stations 15 years ago just to enact all those oppression and repression they're doing on those people living there. I mean, of course, it's despicable. And, um, but in, well, in the geopolitical topic that we had before, I mean, I, I don't think that China is actually going to try to take other territories outside of China anytime soon unless Russia collapses and it gets an opportunity to take Siberia or parts of it. Um, but I don't think they have either the intent or the ability to do so. 70% of the, of the land Communist China governs. China never governed that for thousands of years. Although in the textbook, it said for thousands of years, we have been governing that. If you challenge that, you either, like me, fled free to the United States or you're in jail. So what China is doing, here's, here's the difference between the China, Chinese empire and the Russian empire. Russian empire had many collaborators in Ukraine. These, these people are traitors to, to Ukraine, Ukrainian nation. The communist China is right now sending the Uyghur Muslim collaborators to jail because they are afraid. These people, although they are loyal collaborators, they're still not loyal enough. For example, at home, they still speak Uyghur. That is not permitted. Even you are a collaborator, you are now not allowed to speak your own language back at your home. To your wife. That's how far the Chinese communists will go. Now, this is entirely for Ukrainian. We should not talk about that. We should right now focus on focus on defeating Russia. But what you are saying that you don't see China does not have to want to do this, does not want to do that. The only thing I can say is because you don't read Chinese, you don't speak Chinese, you don't have much, many friends in Chinese. Does anybody have a spin back to Ukraine? Sure. Good morning, Roman. Morning. Do you have any updates for us? If I did, I'd share. Alas, I do not. I do see that among the speakers, we have uh, Axel's, I don't know, alter ego, I guess. Uh, smooth. Maybe Smooth has something to uh, contribute. Oh, yeah. Hi. Good morning. Uh, thanks for, for, for taking me. <coughs> First time question teller. Um, this might be totally off topic, and, and and if it's if it's a crazy question, just uh, you know, cut me off. Um, for a longer time, I was just wondering. Um, before the war started, um, there were uh, regular um, port visits from NATO ships um, towards the Ukraine. So I'm just wondering if any of you know if there are still NATO ships somewhere in the in the Black Sea, or if. Uh, I know it was just, um, you know, uh, uh, singular ships, not like a fleet or something. But um, does the NATO still have any presence in the Black Sea, as far as any of you know? That's a negative. There are no oh, NATO there's assets, obviously NATO. naval assets in the Black Sea. Well, well so the, the fine, the fine NATO naval assets, right? There are no NATO naval assets from non-Black Sea navies. There are scant Bulgarian and Romanian ones, and there are plenty of Turkish ones. So... De depends on on what you're really asking, American ships or or Turkish ships. 
Yeah, no, I was I was more referring to like like American or I think there was a Spanish uh, Corvette or whatever. Um, so not not really uh, Turkish or, or or whatever Bulgarian ships, but um, but NATO ships like more like the um, American or some or British or whatever, or I think even German ships. But I think that answers my question. Thanks. There, when I said there are no NATO uh, ships, there is currently no NATO uh, battle group or. Uh, or naval group in the Black Sea. But NATO countries might have some of their assets in the Black Sea. Wings, can you update us on this? Uh, no, so the, the, the Turkish will have um, something on their uh, northern coast. Romanians have got an old um, X-Type 22 frigate of ours, um, plus a couple of older holes, but nothing to nothing to challenge the Russians, put it that way. Um, and you wouldn't need to anyway, because if it came down to that, um, NATO air assets would would absolutely spank them. So no, the the the, the Americans and the Brits are nowhere near. They're the closest group is in the. I think the Truman groups probably moved up the Aegean Sea now, um, and then the next big group is in the Baltic. Thank you, Wings. Adrian? Adrian, please go ahead. Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, I uh, was, uh, I don't know if it's uh, on topic and not off to- or off topic. Uh, first of all, Jingo, I uh, really appreciate your insights about uh, China, even if it's a space about Ukraine. I lived in China one year, and what you usually say really resonates with me. But my question was strictly about the current situation in Ukraine. Uh, when I went to bed last night, there were, um, the, it seemed there was a push by the Russians towards uh, in the Izium area. And I'm wondering how is that is developing if Ukraine is holding on there. And also I had another question for Walter, is he, if he's around. How is the travel situation for regular people from uh, western Ukraine to Kiev, like, because uh, I've seen the Russians have been uh, rocketing some rail junctions. Is it obviously, I understand that it's not safe, but uh, um, uh, without saying too much, can see he give a general idea of uh, how successful these Russian attacks are on uh, uh, rail and transport networks? Thanks. Lane, good morning. Are you here? Morning. Um, yeah, I am here and good to hear you all, guys. I hope you are watching. Adrian, can you uh, please uh, ask uh, the question regarding uh, the uh, travel in the western parts to Ferlane again? Maybe Ferlane can answer this. Dobro jutro, Ferlane. So, um, um... Uh, so I'm wondering, I've seen this uh, increasing uh, rocket attacks on uh, rail infrastructure towards the west and in uh, Zakarpathia and in the southwest. So I'm wondering um, how, if you know how significant they were and how is the travel situation for regular people who want to travel from the west to Kiev? Basically, that's my general question. Without giving too much away, of course, but I want to understand... Um, uh, like, what's your take on this? 
Um, how significant? Well, we all assume that that's just an agony because they're hitting critical infrastructure uh, wherever. I, we obviously probably have all seen that they are mostly targeting railways. That's not um, an OPSEC thing. It's kind of obvious at this point. Um, people were coming back, but actually people want to come back even to the eastern regions because they're sick and tired of being like a vagabond or nomads. Um, that's, a, that's stupid on one hand, but on the other hand, I can kind of understand what's happening in their heads. Um, overall, uh, people who want to uh, get to safety do, do do that. People who don't have enough funds to be in safety and just want to get back home, come to the Western regions as well, at least. Um, so Zakarpatia was uh, <clears throat> relatively uh, one of the safest places. Well, uh, don't take into account that Belarus is pretty close to it. Ish. Um, overall, especially yesterday, since they were basically uh, launching airs, <clears throat> launching uh, missiles through uh, pretty much five or six different regions at the same time, we kind of sense that this is some kind of agony or their fear mongering on us or god knows what um what can i say uh people want to get back to key which is reckless obviously but they need to continue in, in like continue supporting the economy and so on and so forth um overall traffic i'd say yeah like people are being hopeful that we have at least, I mean, the Ukrainian armed forces contain the further advances and we're going to push them back. This is what I'm getting, getting from the overall, um, let's say, Ukrainian group dynamics. But if you say about, for instance, uh, women with toddlers and infants, uh, they're mostly, especially after the airstrike on Odessa, uh, that killed uh, an infant. They are mostly um, thinking about leaving Ukraine just just for the kids. They they, they would like to stay in Ukraine, but they they are they are terrified for their kids. I yesterday spoke with uh, um, let's say my boss, uh, and uh, she just returned from Poland. She's been there for two months. She lives close to Bid, and those uh, missiles they basically flew over her head when she was you know just in the park with her kids so she's not afraid to be in ukraine she wants to be here that's her country she can um actually uh, get to safety she has a couple uh, visas and a couple <clears throat> like invitations for countries overseas but she doesn't want to leave the country she's been living for her whole life and she wants to um, she wants her kids to be raised here, but she's just terrified. I've never heard her being this terrified, and yeah, so it's 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 like a mood swing, but on another level. Yeah, and a quick follow up. I've seen that there were um, uh, lots of air raid sirens last night in Kiev, and um, I'm wondering if um, if you can give us some insights if anything uh, was hit. 
Um, and uh, also I mixed up my Russian and Ukrainian. It's Dobro Horanko. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't mind. I don't mind whether you use Russian or Ukrainian. Both languages are good. It's just the problem with, with the uh, shitty people who use those languages. Um, yeah, language is just a tool. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a good person. But the way you utilize it are, shows you. I think Em yesterday uh, quoted, yeah, <laughs> the manner of speech and how it reveals your essence. Um, I think it was Em. Yeah. Anyways, um, what I was, uh, the update about, uh, well, Turkasi had repelled two missile strikes, uh, heard massive explosion from afar. Uh, I'm here in this region. Um, Dnipro had the heat on the railways and the bridge. Uh, Pokrovsk had uh, two uh, missiles launches. Not confirmed, but from, from what I've heard, somewhere close to the railways. Uh, Brovary, same. Um, Kremenchuk repelled and a couple more but can't confirm what exactly was hit um, uh, overall like 70% was repelled roughly thank you how are we doing guys from Australia uh, just want to say well done Ukraine um you're doing the best you can under the circumstances. It's a shame the Western world, NATO, can't get involved. But you guys, I have, I have a business partner in the Ukraine and I have a business partner in Russia. Um, so what the citizens of Ukraine are doing and, and your army is doing is repelling as much as they can without, without you know, unfortunately crossing some, some boundaries that were set. Um, not sure by who, but that NATO can't step in if nato steps in apparently world war three happens so yes congratulations it's not a time to congratulate anyone but your citizens the people i speak to in the ukraine your passion for your country is the reason why it's we still refer to it as ukraine um so props to you guys well done props to your citizens and and your army and and anyone who's taken up force against the invasion um yeah there's there's I'll get to the China Taiwan. Obviously, being an Australian, um, you know that's a, that's a that's a topic we're looking at a lot because you know we the same reason you know Vladimir's excuses of why he had to invade the Ukraine was you know NATO's getting too close for comfort. Uh, Australians, can, I, can, I, can uh, I say something? Yep. Um, let's. I want to hear someone that supports Russia in this platform. And, really. Yeah, I do. I, I, do. Don't, I, don't, I don't think I that was a, a really fair thing to say right now because I don't believe in this day and age, in this century that we all live in, that invasions like this um, should be allowed. I'm sorry. I think that we're not, we don't live in the you know the 1900s anymore, the 19th century, and I, I don't believe in the fact that you can just walk into your neighbour and start bombing their country. And that's 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 acceptable because he has this rule against NATO joining the Ukraine. Sean, please go ahead. Thank you. Hi guys, especially new guys. Um, I'm from Kiev. I'm, I'm in Kiev right now. 
I guess uh, the last rocket or or an artillery shell that hit Kiev was like uh, five days ago, maybe even a week. Uh, so it's um, uh, in terms of shelling, it's uh, um, very quiet here, uh, but we constantly hear uh, aerial, aerial alarms. Uh, but people are mostly got used to it and just ignore them. Um, the, about the uh, railing bombings, um, I don't think that these uh, shellings are uh, supposed to uh, prevent people moving or uh, inside Kiev or outside uh, territories uh, that are under like siege now uh, and to prevent um, refugees from escaping. Uh, it's a strategic move to pre to uh, disrupt the Western support to uh, get to the east uh, of eastern parts of Ukraine where uh, the front is. Uh, and uh, by attacking the western uh, parts of Ukraine, like in, in Lviv, uh, I guess uh, yesterday, maybe the day before that, uh, they hit uh, critical infrastructure, uh, leaving some parts of Lviv without electricity. Um, what can I say? I will... Um, wake up in uh, half an hour and do my job to pay taxes and make money because uh, uh, I cannot shoot a gun or uh, ride a tank. <laughs> so I'm doing uh, what I can personally to, to win this war. And uh, each day is getting, getting us closer to the victory. And I think it's already pretty close. It's not the optimistic prognosis like it was in the first days. Like like in two weeks, we will uh, get them uh, out of our country. Uh, it's seventy first day, uh, maybe the same amount. Like uh, a couple of months, uh, we would need if uh, nothing really bad happened. Thank you. Especially thank Australia for new sanctions and uh, weapon support. You're welcome. I, I agree. I think this, uh, well, you know, I follow a lot of economists very well, and they, they've, they've predicted three outcomes of what's what's happening right now. So if Russia overtakes the Ukraine, the world won't accept it and the world won't do business with it. If, the, if Russia uh, retreats back to Russia and says we're sorry and Vladimir is still in power, the world is still not going to do business with them. The third, the third thing that has been mentioned is the fact that they want the eastern side of Ukraine, but they don't want the western side, the Kiev. So we're talking about the, the self-proclaimed third superpower of the world that can't overtake a country in two months, two and a half months. I think that's more strategic than lack of ability. If they overtake Kiev, which one of my business partners is in, they overtake the Ukraine. And then they're sitting on the on the border, correct me if I'm wrong, of Polar, of, of um, Poland and the Western world. And that's as far as they can go. But for their economy, their economy is ruined because of it. 
So there is, I don't think there is a positive outcome for, for Russia itself unless Putin himself disappears somewhere because the world is looking at what he's done and the world, unfortunately, well, NATO and the Western world can't intervene at the moment. Uh, so they're, they're sitting on the sidelines. They're doing as much as they can by giving support, arms, uh, sanctions, whatever else. Uh, Russia, the Russian uh, economy, the 75% of their money was held outside of Russia. So they've gone to war, their money was shut off, you know, their, their, their economy's collapsed. And what have they got to gain from it? They take over a country that, yes, it's, it's agricultural, it's mining, it's everything else is huge. But the world won't talk to them the same way ever again. And getting back to the China-Taiwan scenario, so China does decide it wants to take Taiwan back for strategic re reasons. Australia and the US are not going to sit back and watch it happen. While they won't intervene in what's happening right now because of basically the rules that were set with while when the, U the USSR collapsed in 1991 and what happened afterwards, the rules were set. So they can't intervene in that. Uh, China then now going, well, they got away with it, so we're, we're going to take back Taiwan. Australia and the US government will not sit back and watch that happen. There is no rules that were set about that, that Taiwan is owned by the Chinese government, Communist Party, whatever, and they have a right to then invade their country. But under the agreement that they had when the USSR collapsed, my, to my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, was we'll support you. And the Ukraine, after the collapse of the USSR, held all the arms because they were that they, they strategically placed them right next to Europe, next to Poland. So when the Ukraine became an independent country, unfortunately, their economy wasn't doing too well. Uh, so they got into bed with Russia because the current uh, president of the Ukraine was, was, was a, a very pro-Russian supporter. I believe he was Russian. And they needed money, so they borrowed money, or they, they got given money in exchange for the arms that they had. The counter side of that was you're not allowed to join NATO. So one side of what I find a bit, little bit silly was the fact that the Ukraine applied to be part of NATO before they worked out if they could, if they fit the requirements to be part of NATO. And they're not part of NATO. NATO said no to them. So all this has happened because, you know, A, there's, there was rules set in place about this. And don't get me wrong, you know, I, I, I don't believe Russia is the third superpower of the world. I don't believe the Chinese economy is healthy. No country at the moment is healthy, has a healthy economy. Uh, no one's got money. Uh, everyone's borrowed money. And, yeah, I can't see that going to war at the moment is going to earn anyone money. And you've seen from Russia itself, especially, that a, a country like Russia invading someone like the Ukraine, I'm sorry, don't take this personally, anyone in Ukraine. As I say, my business partner lives there. Uh, they could do that in three days if they wanted to. There's a reason they haven't, and I don't understand that reason, but maybe time will tell. Uh, but yeah, sorry. Wings, please go ahead. Wings, please go ahead. Gunny. You have your hand up. All right, Jingo. Okay. So, 
I can give you some background as to why I'm very passionate about this subject. So, I'm Chinese, but please understand what kind of Chinese we are. I'm from Shanghai. The language, the living habit, everything we 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 are born with in our native homeland was completely different from from the rest of China. So, our language, if we the language I speak with my wife. My wife is also from Shanghai. If you are from other parts of China, there's absolutely no way you can understand it unless you have lived in Shanghai, you have learned that language. Our language is more different than Dutch versus English. It's completely a foreign language, but we are labeled as Han Chinese. So, Ukrainians are still can, can call themselves Ukrainians. We are actually, our ancestors were made Chinese, just like today. If Putin said the Ukrainians didn't have the right to exist independently. Well, Imperial China already achieved that with my grandpa or great-grandpa. That's where things are. Now, let's look at the economy. Russia and China builds on this premise that we have to follow a rule that's very different from the rest of the world. Eventually, we'll get into a war with the rest of the world. So therefore, we have to build an economy we produce everything because the world sooner or later will impose an embargo on, on us. So therefore, no matter what we are good at, we will produce everything. It creates a tremendous inefficiency in economy. So before the communist revolution, Russia had this imperial dream, but still, Russia was still part of the world. The Tsarist Russia living standard was not so far behind the rest of Europe. There are many places which are poor, but you will not see today's scene that the Russian soldiers go to Ukraine, went, go to Ukraine and all of a sudden they start to lose everything because they came from such a poor area. But after you build this crazy economy where you are disregarded, what you're good at, you're going to do everything no matter you're good or not. You create something very inefficient. China is to the extreme, more extreme. Then, there are many places China has occupied. Tibet, the Eastern Turkestan. So therefore, we want to put them down, right? The Chinese Communist government. So they recruit people from places like where, where I came from. These are places they conquered earlier to send them as army to put down rebellions in Tibet and lot other places. How is that different from recruiting the Chechens to go to Ukraine to put people down? Exactly the same. So that's my point. When you don't give people freedom, when you start to create this kind of fake totalitarian empire, your economy will suck because you only can create wealth when people are free to live their way when people are free to choose, when people are free to innovate. That's my point. Thank you, Jingo. Wings? Um, yeah, I, sorry, I'm at work, so I'm just sort of having to jump in and out. Um, I just caught Meta, um, but I, I couldn't hear it properly. Did I hear right that NATO just sat on the sidelines? I'm just wondering if he, if he believes that we're just sat on the sidelines as NATO leader, um, what he would do um, in charge of NATO in Ukraine right now. 
yeah, we all know the answer to that. So we uh, we will skip, and you can give us uh, a quick summary of uh, the effort NATO has been engaging in to support Ukraine instead to make it more constructive. Well, no, I mean we we all know that, don't we? I mean we're shipping out in, in thousands of tons of weapons. We're providing vast amounts of signals intelligence. Um, there's a huge amount of training going on. I'm just wondering what Meta would like to see NATO do as opposed to sitting on the sidelines. Right. He dropped. I'll bring him back. Only uh, Meta fans. Please go ahead. Sorry, I missed. I was, when I was um, pressing yes, I missed the, the last of it. So if you repeat it, please. Only Meta. You have the mic. Please go ahead. Again, I, um, I only missed half of what Wing said um, about NATO's impact in the Ukraine. Uh, I know, I know, NATO is supplying a lot of a lot of uh, tools they need. But as for NATO, your voice is very muffled, um, NATO. We can't tell, we can't hear you. Okay, sorry. I'll come back in under a different account. Mic check. He dropped. But yes, he was uh, very, very quiet, barely readable. If you couldn't uh, tell him, he said he's going to drop and come on in with another account. Yeah, I, I think it'd be useful just for me to... The reason that I ask is is it, it gets a little bit tiring, and I'm sure the hosts are a little bit tired as well, and everyone who, who's served in the military will be tired. Um, this, well, we must do more. Yeah, nobody's really got the answer when you say, well, what would you like NATO to do? You know, it's all very well, people throwing in things like no-fly zones and um, let's do a maritime evacuation route to Mariupol and uh, we should run ships up to Odessa so they can move um, grain. And, you, you know, it all sounds really, really easy. And I know it sounds really, really easy if you haven't been in the military before. And and simple solutions to really complex problems are always attractive. But the bottom line is there are a very large number of experienced people here who, when they say, you know, a no-fly zone is a no-goer, it's a no-goer. It's a no-goer unless you are very content with the concept of NATO, not just going after, so it wouldn't just be a case of, hey, Russia, don't fly over Ukraine, man, or you'll get hurt. It is NATO ground missions for the suppression and destruction of enemy air defences. It is NATO aircraft hitting ground units. It is NATO aircraft going all the way across to a line of control. My check again. Single Russian aircraft that has the neck to put its head up. It is. Now, please, uh, internet quality check. I think Wings is having trouble. Yeah. Wings, if you can hear me, uh, your voice is coming in digitized. So, uh, is... <coughs> yeah, he dropped. Uh, Anti, good morning. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning. It's, uh, it's a bit sad that uh, Gunny dropped because I had a question for him, but... Uh, so how are you guys doing, generally speaking? Uh, do you need any uh, any help with anything? So far, so good, but help is always appreciated. Thank you, Auntie. 
Yeah, so I, I can I can stay on for a bit uh, until I have some work stuff to do, but uh, a lunch break is coming up, so I can I can stay for a bit. And uh, when Wings comes back on, I have a question for him. But uh, that's that's all for now. All right, thank you, Antti. And we have uh, Meta back. Meta, go ahead. Only uh, Meta, please go ahead. Um, you're incredibly quiet. If you want to shout on your mic, maybe that would help. I hate yelling into my phone, but is that better? No, your voice is very low, uh, Meta. Are you using a headphone or something? No. Two secs. I'll, I'll be back. Give me a minute. Thank you. Can you? Uh, do you have your finger on the mic? Honestly, I heard more of our feedback um, from his mic than I heard him, which I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah, well, the speaker is uh, feeding back to his mic somehow. Yeah, Donnie, please go ahead. Yeah, I just had, I had well, I, I think it was for Wings on a question. Maybe Emmy can answer this for me. Um, did you guys see the A10s in Gander on their way to, I guess, Latvia? Does Latvia have uh, SU-25s that they might be sending down um, to Ukraine or what? Or just uh, just a NATO mission to bring them up? I thought the A-10s were out of commission. Thanks. No, no, the A-10s are still operational. Oh, cool. So, so they'll be operated by the U.S. up in Latvia. Do you know how many? We're if anyone wanting to hear about what uh, we know in Australia, please. Hans, uh... Uh, we have a system here. Please raise a hand and you will be given the mic immediately after Donnie finishes. Donnie, go ahead. Yeah, I think I saw 12 up in Gander on their way, like fueling up on the way uh, across the pond. 12? Mm-hmm. That's what I saw. Okay, thank you, Donnie, for the heads up. I'll take a look at it. Tons, please go ahead. Uh, yes, good day. I'm sorry, I didn't, I'm not, I'm sort of new to this, but um, not new to, um, well, <laughs> anyway, uh, technology with this uh, device trying to get the hands apart. Um, anyone wanting to know what we know over here in Australia? And um, I'm happy to give to anyone what, you know, we're hearing over here, and I'd love to hear what you guys think. Sure, an Australian update is always uh, welcome. Go ahead. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's very, I mean, it's very quiet here, actually, um, with everything that's going on, um, due to, obviously, because it's our election year, um, so our politicians are going through their, you know, last two weeks or three weeks of, uh, you know, uh, promotional about themselves, uh, which luckily doesn't go as long as America, but... Um, it's been very quiet. I'm, I'm, I'm having to search and get onto like Twitter and that to find out what's actually happening with Ukraine, which I think is pretty poor. Okay, thank you, Tons. So just, um, just wanting anyone else's input. Like, I think that a lot of countries are, are probably not, uh, well, are missing out on some of the, you know, important parts of what's actually happening here, um, and we're missing out. Doman, would you like to comment on this? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's really just a general phenomenon that happens with every type of news, right? When it's first news, so say when, when Russia expanded massively expanded its invasion of Ukraine on the 24th of February, um, of course, there was a lot, a lot written about it and a lot said about it. 
um, there were additional spikes when you know major news events happened, uh, such as say the Ramstein conference recently, uh, the the unveilings of what happened in Bucha and many, many other villages and towns uh, to the northeast of Kiev and also to the northwest of Kiev and everywhere else, really. Um, but with time, interest, media interest drops off because readership interest drops off. People who are highly interested are still going to seek out information, like you said, like you do on Twitter, etc. Uh, but in a period where let's say news are slow, there are very minimal military movements, uh, there are very minimal changes to the front lines. I think that was really to be expected because that's what happens every time. I just saw a, a note from a Bloomberg uh, writer what, five minutes ago saying that you know he can see that terminal readership has uh, dropped off massively when it comes to anything to do with Ukraine as well. Um, I'm not particularly surprised. Like you, I'm dismayed that it happened regardless. However, um, I think it's very much in line with what we see with you know, any sort of event or set of events or anything that goes on for a long time. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with what you're saying there. Um, sounds very right. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm using the right word. Unfortunately, in my country, I mean, as I say, Australia is like the island country, and um, but we, I mean, we all have our problems, just like all other countries do. But we don't have the problems that I think the majority of the rest of the world have. Um, the same as you guys is like they're literally like a line in the dirt between you know the good or the bad or or the uh, left or the right whichever way you want to put it whereas in australia it's like well if you don't like it there's the ocean um and yeah but i mean we 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 have become a very very diversified country so different uh, nationalities right throughout which is i think we australia i think holds a record for that um, but I do see a demise in the quality of of just normal human being. Life is like if you've got a problem, try to sort it out. Whereas war, drop a bomb these days isn't the answer, really, is it? No, you're, you're quite right, Stones. Um, the one positive thing, if I may, to say about Australia is um, I learned that the defence minister and the shadow defence minister. Was it the foreign minister? I think it was defense minister and shadow defense minister, you know, very immediately agreed on whatever the last thing was that um, uh, that uh, Australia sent, right? Because of your fairly specific political system uh, during the election campaign, both the government and the opposition have to agree on any major things. Uh, and yet they have. And I'm sure we, we can have, you know, maybe you explain exactly how that works or maybe another Australian. Uh, but I would at least note that the political climate in Australia seems exceedingly healthy uh, and that at least all the politicians are on the right side when it comes to, you know, this important thing, at least all the relevant ones anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To to a degree, yes, I, I, I will agree with you there. So, I mean, yeah, I do. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a person that floats between, I'm just a floater. I, I don't have, like, I'm not like a hard left or hard right or hard middle. I, I float. Like, to me, it's always about not the person, it's about the party and what they've got, all the people in it, what are they going to 
give. So I, I know it varies in so many different countries, but um, Australian politics has become these days um, more about just going, oh, he did this, she did that, he did this, she did, he did. It's not about like, okay, let's unite. I mean, at the end of the day, wouldn't you want like, so, I mean, luckily we're here, we've got like, so two major parties. If the left and the right party agreed on something and they went, well, shit, we just think that this is great and we both agree with it. Um, I think about that all the time. I think, well, what would happen? So we would become back to one party, which it originally started from like in federation, but it's more now about like curtailing to, Oh, it's like if it's not global warming, I mean, um, saving refugees, boat people um, coming here. Sorry to interrupt you. Know, you. Sorry to interrupt you, Tones. I, I can actually speak to and maybe explain a little bit how it works for you if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yep. Okay, so Australia's defence policy. So that after the Vietnam War, which you would know, it was incredibly controversial here. There was an agreement amongst amongst the major parties. The defence policy would be determined and dictated by the Department of Defence, and yep, and in in combination with the recommendation of the um, the chief of the defence force, would then be by and large followed by both parties, um, which is why um, the ALP supported um, John Howard's um, declaration of war, essentially, and um, our involvement in the global war on terror. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. So yep. essentially what's happening in Australia, as far as I can tell, is there's sort of a set and forget mentality. There's no real question in the public sphere that we support Ukraine and that we will do whatever we need to do to play yep. our small, tiny role in that. Um, you you would recall the controvert, the, the absolute horror with which we treated the MH17 incident. Um, that's a yep. particularly... That's particularly in the political sphere, I believe that set the tone. Um, we're playing a big role in, in the investigation and now the prosecution of that incident. Um, so yeah, I mean that was that was absolutely horrendous. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, obviously, for those who don't know, um, Russia essentially authorised the shoot down of a civilian airliner by Russian-backed separatists killed a large number of Malaysian, Dutch and Australian foreign nationals. Yep, I, I, I agree. I, I yep. As you probably, yeah, I know you obviously seen it and I've actually yep. done the same. I've seen it. I've seen the background. Yep. I tracked it. You know, yep. yes, I so, agree with you. So essentially what's happened is we have a situation in Australia where public, public sentiment is set. We're not in favour of Russia invading other countries, even though there might be some individuals or fringe groups who think it's a good idea. They're very, very minor in our political discourse, and we have a defence policy which will be, by and large, supported by both major parties. Um, we've also had the Ukraine ambassador, yeah, ambassador, Ukrainian ambassador to Australia on here speaking, um, and he spoke yep. um, in... Uh, he, he very specifically addressed the issue of bipartisanship. Um, now, obviously, what's happening in Ukraine has been obviously drowned out by our election, but to allay any concerns you might have, I would say that public sentiment is set, um, the policy is set, um, and it will proceed as such into the foreseeable future unless, um, unless and until um, the Labor government 
um, either decide that it's not in Australia's interest, which is highly unlikely given our position of five eyes, um, and um, or um, they receive advice to the contrary from defence, which again is, is defence or the department, which again is is highly unlikely. So yes, so yes, it has I, dropped off on the TV, I, I, but that was going to happen, as Dom says. Well, I mean, like I, I must, uh, I must admit, like I can uh, agree with like the dropped off from the TV side of thing because I generally don't watch TV. Um, I'm sick and tired of like free to air news and 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 biased opinions, and that's what I seem to find is like you pick your network if you want to go left, right, middle, whatever. Yeah, um, look out. I, I I I really agree with a lot of things that you were saying there. Um, do you, like do you do you see a difference in change if um i mean i i can tell you're an Aussie because I can tell by your language yep. um what what is what is your interpretation of like what do you see like if you were a left voter right voter whatever i mean i don't know who you vote for and and you but i mean eventually we'll probably work it out by talking to each other but yeah. I, what I is can't, what I, is i can't tell you who to vote for um, our, our no, current, no, no, our no. Current, I'm not asking for that, but I'm on the on not asking for that. <laughs> I think I I haven't spoken to my local member because he's a he's a shadow cabinet minister, so he's not actually in the electorate all that often. Um, but I would suggest that it's it's a that the Ukraine from what from what the ambassador said the other day when he was in this space, and um, yep. from what. Other people have, and from what our politicians have been saying publicly, um, and and certain other figures like um, Major General Mick Ryan, who will be appearing in this space at nine o'clock tomorrow, plug, I believe. Um, yep. Australian policy in the area of Ukraine is fairly set for the foreseeable future, and as I explained, because there's a bipartisan agreement on both sides of the parliament about how this policy should proceed. Um, Yep. I, I don't think – if it was a major factor in this election, you'd be seeing it more. I can guarantee yeah, you that. So, so just uh, one other thing I'd like to ask you. Does, do, do you feel that um, us as a country um, and as vulnerable as we are told that we are all the time, um, do you think that we're safe in – uh, backing the people who we help are going to or hope they're going to save us, um, or should we do more? Um, I think that Australia's contribution to this conflict is necessarily limited by our geographical and economic position. We're not we're not a huge military. We're a small expeditionary military. The stuff that we have sent is stuff. Um, there would have been a lot of. Um, a lot of spreadsheets to work out what we could. So pretty much on my, but from from what I worked out, sorry, mate, let me finish. Most of the stuff we sent was bang. (laughs) Well, well, let me finish. Thales has just opened a, a munitions factory somewhere in Victoria. Um, So just at the beginning of this year, um, just so happens to be the same caliber as the M triple sevens that we sent. Um, So, Mm -hmm. I'm presuming whatever we don't need for domestic consumption is probably going. Um, we certainly sent some yeah. with the M777s. I presume that's not a, a short-term arrangement. Um, and I don't know if you know this, 
So, so I referred to five eyes before. I suspect that Australia's contribution is in um, intelligence, interpretation, and gathering. Um, yeah. And I, and I think I think that all the five eyes countries are. Uh, um, it, it's reasonable to assume that we're providing a significant amount of the information relevant. The relevant amount of information that we can gather is being provided. So it's, yeah, it's in terms of Australia's contribution and positioning, it's important to think of it that there are more things that go into the cake than just flour and eggs, you know? So 